This is The Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching Future Imperfect. I'm Van Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. I am Kuhan, and I watched this episode for the first time. <laughs> All right, you ready to go? Let's go. In three, two, one, engage. I, is it a cheat whenever a TV show says, oh, look, this is an episode about a guy getting older, and it happens on his birthday? Uh... I guess a little bit, yeah. It's. I mean, that's, that's the whole thought of aging, but they don't really like the birthday thing. Doesn't really come up very much. It's not like a big deal that it's his birthday. It's just sort of brought up. Yeah, I mean, this could be any other holiday or celebration. I think. Or nothing. It could just be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it could just, just be a day. That's it's it's fair enough. So I guess. I instinctively imparted some importance to him getting pulled away from this, but I guess I guess there really isn't. Yeah, it could just be, oh, they're going on a mission, <laughs> and this happens. It's nice that Picard's going. He, he doesn't usually do that kind of stuff. Well, it's his number one. <laughs> yeah. So, I think classically they have Picard and Data doing some thinking about human culture and society. Which is their kind of their idiom. So, yeah, the, the captain does a lot of Shakespeare. Data's curious about how people work, so they they tend to have the kind of these obvious uh, conversations about human human culture and human biology and things like that. Yeah, I, I am familiar with with that basic idea from from basic Star Trek. I I, I I've never watched really any Star Trek besides. Uh, the new movies and a couple episodes of the original series yeah. but I do have I mean all of my friends are like a bunch of my friends are Star Trek fans so I have the, like a, the vague idea of of how data works <laughs> yeah it's it's always interesting to see how much of this gets into the public consciousness yeah um, Worf back there ends up being in like 11 years and four movies of Star Trek and yet people just don't know him that well whereas uh, yeah I I'm I'm familiar with with Worf and Klingons, but has that actor really done much else? Uh, he does a lot of voice work. Uh, he does a lot of like cartoons that might, no offense, might be a little before your time. Uh, Gargoyles, I think, okay. and a lot of other ones. Uh, he does voice work for that. He definitely did voices for Mass Effect because he's got a heck of a voice. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going back and looking at it. I've definitely seen some of his voice work before. Yeah. Yeah. He uh it's a great matte painting. So that's how they usually do the big scenes. They just have like a really good artist make the background and they just green screen them in. Yeah, and that's that's something where where the effects sort of seem to hold up. Like the matte painting stuff. Matte paintings I think always hold up. Yeah. And even the ship going across a, a minute ago that we saw yeah. holds up for me. Um the so, uh sorry what? Oh, um, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the 4x3 the, the aspect ratio. Oh, actually, you know what? <laughs> Let me come back to, I like that they just set them down like, hey, there's like, it seems like it's an uninhabitable planet. Why don't you guys just go down there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, um, it wasn't habitable. It's just as soon as they got down there, there was allegedly a methane pocket that opened up. Yeah, like, what? they don't have like masks or anything. Like, come on. Not a thing. <laughs> they could do something. You missed the like, episode where a thorn 
punched through Riker's uniform and gave him like killer nerve poison. And it's like, it's a thorn. And it just punched right through his leg. You would you would think that those uniforms would be like Kevlar or something. <laughs> it's the future, right? Like you'd think yeah, that they no. got something. <laughs> it is the future. And these things are, are no tougher than the uh, Hollywood costumes that they, they're made from. Yeah, so, uh, it's it, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, this this was an interesting choice. You chose this one, um, so this transition's got to be weird for you because you barely know what any of this stuff looks like on a regular day, and they just threw four totally different things at us that you wouldn't not recognize. Yeah. So so does the med bay look different? I don't yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. It, it looks a little different. It, okay. it never has that mirror. That mirror is there for dramatic purposes. Sure. But, um, yeah, they, they put some extra stuff hovering above him. Um, uh, what's funny, too, is I'm, I have, like, a vague familiarity with Jonathan Frakes because he directs stuff. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I, I, and I have seen him in stuff more recently, but he's just an older dude now. Like, it's 20 years later. He's, exactly. you know, in his 60s. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. Like, it's weird that he wasn't great earlier. Right. So uh, the doctor's wearing her hair up. She never wears it up. Um, they have rank, right? Because it's kind of a quasi-military thing. They usually right. have little dots on their necks. And they've, they've taken those off and they put it behind their little um, badges. Okay. So, see, and it's, again, like, you might not even notice that. So, I mean, were no. you completely floored going into the, like, he gets this weird look. And do you even know what is what he finds wrong? I mean, I wasn't completely floored. I mean, I, I had a vague idea of the episode. I, I knew what it was going to be basically about. Um, and I think I've, I've heard of this episode before, um, you know, again, just, just through vague people talking about things or other things. And obviously, he has a little bit more gray in his hair. So it's, it's, and it's, it's clear that it's the future. But I also, and, you know, just calling him Captain, stuff like that. Um, so no, but I also kind of knew what to expect going in. So maybe I would have... I don't know how I would have felt if I if I didn't know that it was an episode about going into the future. If I was just you know watching throw Netflix, like oh my god, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it is interesting in that uh, he's always wanted to be captain. He's like the number number two guy under Picard. So um, this is kind of a realization of his dream, but it's all weird. It's all wrong. Right. So. I, uh, I, I guess all of this stuff is being generated by his brain because uh, this is all just a hologram. So, I guess right, just... right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just essentially they're they're pulling it uh, out of his brain or or the whatever the the kid. Um, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would hope you're watching. You you'd watch the episode before you're listening to this, but. Um, yeah, presumably just pulling it out of out of his brain to get as much as he can, which is which is how, of course, it uh, it breaks down at the end. Yeah. So she she says, "Oh, look, you got Altarian retrovirus," which proves that, like, when she speaks, he's just like, "Yep, planet disease." That sounds terrible. It has no <laughs> no correlation whatsoever with with medical stuff. So, because I mean, he couldn't know any of that, right? Altarian right, virus. Yeah. I guess the Altarians just have one virus. It's great. So, um, well, there's no people on the planet, so that's the, that's the other thing. I just I'm, I'm now realizing as, as I go back 
There's no people on the planet. It's uninhabitable. How do you know about the Altarian viruses? How would that make any sense? So it, um, they may have been back. I don't know. They may have, maybe, <laughs> maybe they went to a planet called Altaria next, and that's where he got the virus. So, that but you're sense. right. Like he conveniently picks up one virus from like a wrong planet. So, I, uh, it's weird. But still, it's, um, you know, this is the way memory loss is, which is really frightening when you think about it. For, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've I've uh, I've had family who's had memory loss like this, so it's definitely like I totally get that. Like that makes sense. Although it's obviously you know a TV show and very specific. Like he just specifically lost these sixteen years, but remembers everything else yeah. um, because it's science fiction. <laughs> Probably more science fantasy at this point <laughs> with that one. But also, I guess since it's all a holodeck in the first place. Because Star Trek obviously is a lot more science fiction with a lot more basis in science than something like Star Wars, um, so there's that that that's what helps you sort of realize there's always a logical explanation for everything. So when some if if you know well that's not how amnesia works, uh, then you can sort of think okay right right away you're like well there's got to be something wrong. Yeah. Well, um, you know I I think it it passes muster in terms of. You know, everything you processed after the infection was tainted with virus, and then they, they pulled it back. No, no, you're actually probably right. Now that I say that out loud, I think you probably got a point there. I mean, I mean, if everything after tainted with a little virus, that kind of makes sense, but you would, you would think that, you know, some flashes would come here and there where he gets no flashes at any point in the episode because he doesn't have actual memories to pull back from. So maybe, maybe. It, it makes sense that, that those memories wouldn't exist but then again, maybe Barash is gambling that Riker knows a l uh, as little about neurology as you and I do. <laughs> right, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... but... Legit. <laughs> so. And this is our... Uh, it's not really a clue, but, you know, watching it again, you can see how they want to coast him towards his quarters, and he wants to go to the bridge. So that's when the, the computer glitches. Yeah, so it's one of the things that that fits into place in retrospect. So, um, so yeah, and they're slowly bringing him up to speed in terms of what he's got to do as a captain and the challenges he's got to face. So, do you want to say something about Jordan? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so um, I did notice uh, right away that that Jordy obviously has his own eyes, um, <laughs> presumably because uh, I figure, um, uh, oh my God, Levar Burton wanted to take any opportunity he could to not keep that visor on his face because I heard it was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah it's bad. <laughs> which is why, presumably, again, in the what which I'm I'm aware of in like the later movies and stuff, he just wears contacts to to be like robot eyes or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's sort of a little semi prescient that he has these clone eyes to to that he's gonna you know they're gonna be like his future eyes anyway, kind of. Yeah, that he, he... can. You know, his, his visor is going to get cured. Yeah. 
which this episode has has kind of a preoccupation with, uh, not episode series, in that, you know, his disability is a disability, and that's part of his character. Um, the visor which is, which is, hmm? Yeah, which is definitely interesting, but also it's like, first of all, it's like a, the distant future. We can kind of cure blindness now, <laughs> like depending on the the way the blindness works. <clears throat> there's been there's been a lot of successful cures for for people's blindness, uh, like in the present, um, which of course is twenty years in the future for the show. Um, but you would think you would think they could they could do something more with blindness than they can in the show. Well, I mean, one of the things that we have to help people who are blind is literally uh, the visor. We literally have ways to directly feed information to someone's. Uh, nerves it's true so they can they can partially see I and mean, the visor itself is is kind of prescient um yeah but you know there and is... how much, although how much of that is a life imitates art because uh 20 years ago people were watching star trek or 25 30 years ago people were watching star trek the next generation and now they're scientists who, who are developing eye techniques yeah i mean that could be it but i i don't know if it's necessary to say oh look it's the future we don't need any disabled people. No, I, um, I agree with that as well. Yeah, definitely. It makes sense to have some disability. But also, like, the preoccupation with curing it, too, is like, well, he's got a disability. It's it's fine. People live with that. It's the future. <laughs> don't we all? Are, isn't it supposed to be a utopia? <laughs> like, cool. He doesn't have, he can't see, but that's fine, right? Like, who really cares? Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a facet of him. It doesn't keep him from being a chief engineer on the starship. Yeah, he's looking at his job. Um, so the episode, you know, has this accommodation. Not the episode, damn, the series has this accommodation. But it's also weirdly preoccupied with fixing him and giving him normal eyesight again. Which yeah. is a little disappointing in that it, it falls short, I think, of its aspirations when it made the character. Or maybe Riker's just a dick. <laughs> he's like, that he's seems, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Because there was an episode earlier where Riker got superpowers. I'm, I'm not going to get into it. And one of the things he did is he cured Jordy's eyesight. And Jordy's like, bruh. So he had, to, he had to put it back. So, but yeah, no, we have a, we have a whole Romulan plot here. And um, allegedly Picard's going to negotiate peace with the Romulans. Um, and so they're, yeah, they're one of the, the longstanding villains of Star Trek. Yeah, I, I um, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if they put like, uh, more hair and a beard on, uh, on Patrick Stewart, or if he's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna shave or cut my hair for a couple of months, and then we'll just work <laughs> that into the episode. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, television has to communicate things to the audience, and so we're in the future, so like every single person looks different. Um, they gave Worf a scar. They gave Data a red shirt. They, they fixed Jordy's eyes. I think all the women are wearing their hair up now. They gave Crusher a uni- uh, not Tr- Crusher, Troy. They gave Counselor Troy a uniform for crying out loud. And, um, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I just, I'd buy the beard. The hair, the hair is what I'm hitting on. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. the beard I buy. It's just super weird. It's a little weird. Because um, you don't expect it from him. 
Because yeah. I mean, we, we see Patrick yeah, Stewart. Would, in... I mean, you would think, like, if he gets more, you know, a more distinguished position, the beard I get. But he's, like, letting his hair grow out, and that's weird. <laughs> like, it's almost like he's got a skullet. <laughs> like... <laughs> That is that is a great term. I never heard that before. That's oh, really that's impressive. Yeah, yeah um, bald in the front, party in the back. <laughs> yeah, no. I one of the things is that oh, I guess I guess here's the big twist of this this act. This kid. hi, Dad. <laughs> it's a great zoom in. I uh, this kid does a pretty good job actually. I uh, this show has a lot of kids in it. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with uh with young Will Wheaton. Um who who again, what I know from pop culture is people don't like that character. Uh I almost I almost picked the episode with with his mission uh yeah. just to get just to be able to talk about Will Wheaton. Um you would have picked yeah. a good one. He's well, good in that one. Um, um but uh yeah, he's I think this is definitely a pretty solid child actor although a little bit at the end it falls apart but also they give him a lot to do yeah uh he he carries a lot of weight this this show lives and dies on the value of its guest stars uh and he is the guest star for this episode basically a, a little bit of tomalock but mostly him also i want to note that people do talk about how futuristic star trek is but that kid fished around, and there's like three different iPads in there, but only one has the data he needs. <laughs> they use those things like clipboards. Freaking 16 megabyte memory on those things. Anyway. Um, so yeah, they uh, naming him Jean-Luc was insane. It's just, it's the captain's first name. That's why it is. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But I mean, you know, you name your... You can name your kid after a close friend, mentor. It's not unreasonable. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's just uh, sometimes with these shows, you have like a cast and they're together for seven years. And there aren't a lot of people outside of that, that cast that they interact with. So, you know, a real person, you have many different circles you interact with. You have friends, um, work colleagues, maybe professional colleagues, and then family uh yeah but for tv shows it's really just like whatever the crew is and there's no one outside of there yeah so um it's it's it kind of speaks to that very small world that he wants to name it after name his kid after the captain admiral so, oh yeah well yeah <laughs> so i uh we get that first name drop here men uh for riker's wife who's of course going to give up the whole game here Whenever I, I, Riker figures yeah. out who she is. Completely didn't even catch that. Yeah, that makes... Yeah. Well, I mean, as a good, you know, it's a twist show. And it's kind right. of a mystery, but it's kind of just here to just give you these concepts. Um, they have these little things in there that you really catch the second time. Uh, this is like the sixth sense of Star Trek, really. So... Uh... Do you do you watch this episode often, like, or is this the first time you watched it since it last aired? Uh, it's it's about the middle of the pack in terms of ones you're gonna rewatch. So, um, if you're if you're watching a couple episodes of TNG, well, I'm, I'm asking you definitely. you specifically. Catch this one. Um, oh, I, I watched it last night because we were doing this. Right, but so, like besides uh, that, like, do you, do you do you watch it often, or is this or was this the first time you had watched it since 
watching it initially. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I watch TNG periodically because it's on Netflix and it's a good show. Sure. That so. makes sense. But I, I was just wondering, like, if the first time you rewatch the first time you rewatch it, if you can think back to that, um, do you did you remember the twist, or were you like reworking it out the whole time? <laughs> I remember the twist because I hadn't seen the episode that Minuet was in before. She's from an episode in like season one, I think, um, where like a bunch of a bunch of nerd aliens. Uh, make this perfect woman in the holodeck to lure Riker in because they're going to steal the Enterprise and they need Riker to use the Enterprise to save them after they're getting to the, the place where they're, they've stolen the Enterprise too. It's a whole thing. Um, but Riker, like, she, she's this very sophisticated holodeck program and Riker falls in love with Siri, basically. Um, it's her. It's her, yes, it's her. Yeah. Uh, we definitely made that joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lots of men fall in love with the holodeck women in this series, and it is not healthy. Um, so, so whenever he turns and he sees Minuet, and they, they linger on her, but uh, it's a distant shot. She's in different clothes, completely different content. She was like a cocktail woman in a jazz bar the first time we saw her. Um, and so you just see her in like these terrible Star Trek civilian clothes. And you're like, who is this lady? And they're like, oh, it's Minuet. That explains everything. And I'm like, it explains nothing. Nothing at all. Why are you so angry? So um, I had to wait until they spelled it out for all of us. I definitely remember this episode going into it. Because I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the pretty twist. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, I guess if she'd only appeared in like one episode before that, from like three seasons prior, yeah. that's kind of like, you're not really... <laughs> It's, um, you know, this, this is the season where they can pay off a lot of stuff, where they pulled a lot of things from those first couple of seasons. And for the most part, you remembered it or, you know, it was kind of, they, they did a little recap before they got into it, or it's the crux of the episode in a way that, you know, you're, they have to re-explain to themselves to come up to speed on what's happening. Um, but this is, this is a twist that you're kind of supposed to get to move the episode on. And it's it's bad if you don't get that reference. So, for a while, and then, then we get into Romulan stuff allegedly, which brings us back to uh, Romulans. Who are? Did, did, have you watched Babylon Five? Nope. Okay. All right. This um, the actor who plays Tomalock here. He uh, he plays an alien on Babylon Five as well. So he's one of the main cast members. So. But, so he uh, got a uh, real typecast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's fair. He plays a fairly menacing alien here, and he's fairly menacing for the first season or two of Babylon 5. So, um... Oh, hey, yeah. he's from St. Louis. That's where I'm from. Oh. So, it's an interesting uh, diplomatic issue where, you know, they're working on this long piece with these long-standing enemies, and uh, Riker's got to negotiate the deal, which is insane. He literally has brain problems. Right? Yeah. Like, you would think, like, oh, I'm sorry, Captain Riker can't, you know, I just, and Picard takes over. Like, that <laughs> seems to make more sense. Yeah, and, and Picard, Picard is the diplomatic one. Yeah. Um, I mean, Riker does negotiations. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, of course, it's all the, the plot for Barash. Barash wants him to 
to interact with the hologram and feel that it's real. So, um, the disappointing thing is that this version of, of the Enterprise and the supposedly diverse Federation has way more aliens than the Enterprise we're used to. It's kind of a, well, I see humans in the regular show. Does it? Because I only noticed like Worf, who obviously is Worf, and then the other guy yeah. uh, with the funny face, who I think they mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think he's but a Ferengi. Yeah, Ferengi, yeah, that's the word. So, and, you know, in the regular series, the Ferengi are still enemies, so to see one on Starfleet Vessel is, is a little unusual. Um, I like that we're setting up this second layer of conflict. I don't know if Barash thinks that the whole House of Cards is coming down or if he just wants it, but this part of, of the holodeck has to lead into the next part for him yeah, to... And... And I do like this as a as like a red herring. Oh yeah, that is, um, that is the perfect phrase for it. It's a yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a good clever red herring of like oh, it's you know. And then when it comes back to it's the Romulans doing it, which obviously it's not really, but when it looks like it, then yeah. it makes a lot of sense that oh, the Romulans are just trying to trick him into giving them the location of Outpost Twenty Three. And that's. I think this episode's best remembered for this future sequence uh, and for the twist with Minuet, but I think the real twist is, is the second one where you've already let your guard down, where you think you've solved everything and it's just Romulans and some kid, um, and then it turns out it's a double a double fake out. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I feel like that line is familiar, the... the... Ambassador Tomulak was only ever said in a holodeck simulation. For some reason, that, that line sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Um, I might have heard it somewhere else randomly before, um, but that is um, that that I think because yeah because I agree if you've totally let your guard down you think this is real and then it's oh no this was also fake and that's also just a one quick drop in and he gets it right <laughs> away that time which makes sense because at that point you're you know in the last act of the episode oh, yeah. um, but I. Uh, I, th I think it's also slightly, you can also kind of notice it with when Tomulak later says um, uh, that, that they're not looking for Riker anymore. Yeah. Like, w really? <laughs> they just gave up right away? And I, I took that as villainous gloating, but that's it's a pretty good point. So here we get Parisi Squares. We never know what Parisi Squares is or how it works. Um, it's just dangerous, and people wear this thing. When they do it's it. probably like skateboarding or something. Yeah. <laughs> he just went to the holodeck simulation of a skate park. <laughs> so, I'm sure. I'm sure there was some tape to the walls. There's always tape to the walls in their future sports. It's like they play racquetball and there's like little targets everywhere. They go. They go a little overboard with the sports in this thing. So, and this, I mean, we get a real character moment here, which is uh, important for Riker and for. For Barash, where um, this is the kind of paternal attention I'm sure he actually wants underneath all the, the holodeck stuff. What's interesting, too, is is, is him being a little bit more stilted um, makes sense. Like, I, th I think it works the way they've written the, the episode. He's a little bit more stilted within the simulation, and it's probably because he's actually a kid who's not a great actor, <laughs> Um, but because of the way 
the episode works and in hindsight, oh, it makes sense that he was a little stilted because he was an alien acting like a person. So should we so. just just pretend that all child actors from this point forward are actually little gray aliens with holodeck things on them? Yeah, that makes that makes that's I I'm sure it'll make it a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, no, no. I'd look forward to watching the next episode of The Good Place that has children in it. I'd just be like those little grays, man. They're at it again. I don't think there's ever been a child in the good place so far. What's that? I don't think I've seen a child in the good place so far. Yeah, I just tried to think of a show. And that's the only. One I, <laughs> I know you just television. picked a show with no kids in it. <laughs> well, the alternative is BoJack Horseman. That could just make you sad. So, they're um, aliens. They're, they're animated. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in season two, I think we had an episode that talked about where Riker and his dad were angry at each other. Because Riker's mom died, and Riker's dad literally hit the road at age twelve. He's like, "Damn, Riker's dad!" Son. Yeah, that's I know. A, Riker's dad's a dick. dick move. Yeah. So, um, and that that gives you a lot of context for Riker suddenly jumping into this and suddenly saying, "Oh, yeah, I'm totally a dad." Dad Riker, do my best. Um, I mean, he bailed on peace negotiation with the negotiations with the Romulans. Uh, for his kid. Yeah. He's trying that. So, like, Barash as Jean-Luc is just actually hanging. Like, the only two real people in within the simulation are Riker and Barash. Right? Like, But it's also yeah. kind of weird. I don't know. I kind of <laughs> want to see this episode from his perspective. Like, when he leaves, does he also become an alien again? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, no telling. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he could just be hanging out like he's made a holographic backstage and there's like a crafts table. Like a costume <laughs> rack. It's all holographic. Craft services. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually smoking just like a little gray alien with a cigarette. He's reading his lines for the next scene. He's like, man, who writes this stuff? Oh, yeah, it's me. I think I think that was was the biggest hit was that it couldn't like it was totally fine until it was like oh can't find your wife yeah and kids are good good with computers though aren't they yeah it's like dad you got to use the, the file the date on the file too so I mean the computers are always terrible in this show like working with computers like we do now. Like it's it's ridiculous how bad they are with them. So the funny thing too is she, like she looked really familiar to me for huh. a moment, and I like I obviously have never seen the previous episodes, and I looked her up, and I don't know her from anything else. She probably just looks like somebody else, and I was like, who, <laughs> who is she? <laughs> it would be great if he's like, oh man, that's the lady from Law and Order. I like that yeah, episode. right. <laughs> from that old Earth show that I watched. Yeah. Yeah, oh no, Law and Order is still definitely running 300 years in the future. <laughs> it's just, it's just like a, <laughs> they've got, now I'm thinking like it's a Futurama head in a jar of Christopher Maloney. Yeah. Law and Order for Ringanar. So. And, uh, fucking Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> I, um, and here's the episode where the gig is up and Riker gets to go hog wild. Yeah, yeah, he's... <laughs> He gets real mad, real fast. He's like, oh, we gonna fight. <laughs> yeah, no, Jordy, uh, I like it. LeVar Burton never gets to act this much, right? Because he's always working with the visor. So it's right, good so you, to don't, get, see you him, don't get the eye acting, yeah. Yeah, emote. Um, 
and then right I, I don't know if heroes get to choose scenery a lot i feel like this is the heroic version of that where he just gets to be like haha you're stupid trick you're all dumb so um but it's good like it's really fun to just watch him push and everything kind of falls over uh and it becomes less and less credible as he goes through his rant um Although this seems, I don't know, lots of times the hero figures something out and they do a bunch of dramatic, dramatic stuff and then they reveal what's happening. That's, that's what happens here. I, I don't know if, if this scene is worth that where Riker isn't just like, all right, it's a fake from his, from his quarters. He's got to come up here and yell at people. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. I also, I, I like the, the little note of deity using a contraction, which is again, something to like vaguely know from pop culture. Oh, so good. it's like, oh, he did use a contraction. Yeah. That's true. He so. said can't. Yeah. I um you can kind of see like this is all remastered. So uh I think you mentioned a planet shot earlier. You can definitely see the green screening here. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, this is this is not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean it could be worse. I've seen worse yeah. in modern stuff, but it's <laughs> not great. <laughs> yeah. And here we learn that uh, Tom Locke's apparently a huge fan of Dashboard Confessional. But um, anyway, yeah, so you accept that uh, this, has been, this has been remastered. You mentioned the planet shot before. I think all the planet shots have been remastered. Okay, so, so, that, I, so that, I guess, makes, makes sense as to why the CG is uh, so much more modern. But it, yeah. it still fits. Like, it's not like it looks like it's out of place from everything else, yeah. except for that green screen shot and, uh, and the later shot we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, to its defense, that episode's, that shot's supposed to look bad. So, because we're, we're transitioning. Well, not supposed to look that I bad. Mean, it's not, but it's not supposed to look that bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if, that, if that was shot last week, it would look like they're just dissipating away and it would look yeah. real. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, the HD has not done a lot for this show. Uh, for close-ups on Worf and some of the women, the makeup is kind of noticeable. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why they HD'd this. I guess people like HD. I don't know. I'm sure, yeah, because yeah, it, it looks like it was shot on tape, so it doesn't <laughs> really seem necessary. Well, because a lot of stuff is shot on film at, around that time, like um, Seinfeld and, and Friends were both shot on film. Um, and so they went back and HD'd them, and it makes perfect sense. And they're shot; they can recrop it to sixteen nine because it was shot on film, and it can easily be upscaled to HD. But tape is not a lot, not as easy to upscale to HD unless you were shot on like HD tape, which nothing was shot on in in nineteen ninety one or whatever. Yeah. So it, uh, you know, there was probably a lot more work put into HDing it. I don't know how bad it looked. Uh, you know, on the in the initial, so maybe they just needed to do it anyway. Yeah. I don't but, know. I I remember a lot of the initial effects um, and a lot of the initial look. It, it looks mostly the same, mostly just touch ups. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing really has has struck out to me, at least in this episode, as as bad. Even Tarlock, like, is an alien, and they, you know, there's not a whole, whole hell of a lot done to him except for like his brow and his ears. Yeah. Um, but it looks solid. Did I say Tarlock? That's a character from Legend of Korra. <laughs> yeah, it's Tumblelock. I'm, I'm not going to sweat it. I, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the scenes in the makeup probably end up behind those wigs. which is uh, For sure. For sure. But that, I mean, that's, you know, 
that's something that if you're shooting for four by three and you're shooting for going on a 19 inch television, yep. you're not worrying as much about uh, where where the seams are being caught and missed as well. So yeah. it, it kind of works, you know, that that they at least did worry about those seams at the time in, in 1990. And yeah. uh, and it, you know, shows now in 2018. Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't happen in this episode, but in. Some of the other ones, the HD remaster had to change the uh, like little readouts for things because you couldn't read those initially. So they put like Star Wars references in there, anime <laughs> references in there, and they had to go back and take them out uh, for the HD. So I, I, I have seen at some point there was a West. I think it might have been like Deep Space Nine or something like that, but there was a West Wing reference in one of them. Um, but uh-huh. like it's it's subtle enough that it's that it's stuck all the way through. Because it's huh. just like names of West Wing characters, <laughs> but oh. I've seen that like from West Wing fans. Cause I'm a big West Wing fan, so I've seen that yeah. like, oh, hey, here's a message mention of T. Ziegler and uh, <laughs> Jay Bartlett. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's pretty great. I I'd not heard about that. So um, we we've completely talked over the Romulan plot of this episode, which is um, Riker's been captured, and Tom Locke's like, the Enterprise isn't going to come for you. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it, but yeah, it, it is it is a very believable version of the plot. So, like, when that happens, you're like, oh, cool, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they say the best lies have, you know, are built on the truth. And this one is. I, uh... And, of course, Riker's finding more clues over again with this uh, this research station that was supposed to be uninhabited. But, um, you know, ultimately... Like Riker's really sharp in this one, and it's not like Riker's an idiot in the other episodes, but um, excuse me, it's um, it's interesting that that you know he's the mystery guy for this. I mean, could could Jordy have done this or Worf? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but uh, they they do give him basically the whole episode. Like it's oh yeah, it's very much a a Riker episode. Yeah, so. Uh, not not a lot of the rest of the crew and you know that's good sometimes because they can definitely shift people around to uh you know because if you're just going to shoot Riker for like three days you can do other stuff with the cast yeah so for other episodes okay Riker should have just stopped right there and been like okay you're 12 and that's a Romulan soldier what the (laughs) right just happened also that was a pretty pretty punch that he threw (laughs) like he threw a pretty (laughs) bad punch Riker (laughs) Like I get, I get that it's TV, but it was uh, yeah. it was bad for a TV punch too. I um, yeah, I I defend this episode a lot in terms of like where it comes from, when it was made, that kind of stuff. But the choreography is indefensible. Uh, I I don't need intricate fight scenes, but true buddy, you don't. <laughs> At least make yeah. it look like the punch connects, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but this is we're moving right along, and it looks like we're gonna get gonna get our escape. Like we're running short on time, but uh, it looks like there's there's still enough time for Riker to escape from these Romulans, and we're so credibly in this this adventure until um, what's his name here? Ethan. Ethan. There we go. Until Ethan like has like a lost boys freaking base of operations underneath the Romulans. Yeah. He's just like, yep, we're, uh, we found it. 
and uh, the rocks block the scanners, I guess. And again, yeah. that's just he just sort of like runs with it. He's like, okay, rocks block the scanners, heavy metals, cool. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got a couch back here, got a Game Boy arcade cabinet, and he's like, what the hell? He's got, he's got a map. Like yeah, it's like a well-made that. map. Where'd he get the pen? Yeah. Like, he just broke into a freaking drafting room of the Romulans and just <laughs> took a straight edge. Like, all right. He, sp- he breaks out, and for two months, he just makes that freaking map. Anyway, but Riker's on top of it. So it's it's it all plays into the fact that this is um, another scenario, another illusion. And then for the... The sake of television, he gives us uh, this slip of the tongue. Yep. Only Ambassador Tomalek. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, <laughs> Ambassador Tomalek? Hold up, we've got uh, five minutes left in the episode, so i got to solve this second mystery real quick. Oh yeah, super quick. He's going to do it with understanding and a bearded sense of paternalism. <sighs> Like, so, uh, you told me. Oh wait, they're coming! Haha, <laughs> they're 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 here now. They found us. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I find this episode to be adequate in terms of like it's about the concept, right, of the holodeck within the holodeck and the fake future. Um, I think there's a thread here about stories and how stories are constructed. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, in terms of having conflicts to move characters and moving characters around to be what the audience expects. Good villains. Boom, that blue screen. Yeah. Anyway, it's... Then we get, like, Barash's entire culture who were exterminated by some really tenacious jerks, I guess, that we've just never heard of and we'll never hear of. Never hear of again. Yeah. <laughs> and Barash never comes back again, I assume. <laughs> like, oh, no, he never like, comes back again. Yep, he's on the Enterprise now, and uh, bye. Riker's like, man, I'm going to take care of you, kid. And the kid's like, really? No. Bye. So, I mean, Deanna over there, she had a baby in an episode. And it was like a weird star baby, and it went off to join the heavens or whatever. They never talk about it. Uh, oh, Riker made, uh, not Riker, Data. Data made a daughter. She died. They never talk about it. So this episode's pretty terrible at at following up on these familial bonds. (laughs) So, I mean, that's real talk. Riker is the first person he's connected to in practically his entire life of solitude. And then Riker's like, enjoy Earth. Here's a t-shirt. It just says, I heart Earth. You're going to fit in just fine. (laughs) Go, you little gray alien. I don't... I don't know if every sci-fi show in the 90s had to have an alien that looked like a regular, like one of the greys, you know? But, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, Roswell, you know, was about that. Um, There was no one in Futurama, but that was late 90s, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's It's really bad makeup, though. Like, it's it's so bad. It's such a bad costume. Yeah. And, like, my first thought was that they, like, had to put the kid in the costume and they just, you know, did whatever they could. But then I looked it up online and it's a different person in that costume. Oh, wow, really? They got a person just for that? 
Yeah, like a person is it's that person's only credit ever. <laughs> so That's like exceptional. They could have done makeup or something, you know, like it, it's really bad. They could they could just take a paper bag and they put the little mocap balls all over it and just be like, "We'll do it in post. We're going to wait 30 years and have someone do it with a computer." Yeah, right. <laughs> uh computer CG something on him. Yeah. Okay, that's good enough for me. Like, look, this episode is going to be a real turkey in 1992, but trust me, in 2022, it's going to be great. This kid's going to look like a real guy from space. I don't know what the hand thing is. I don't know. I think it's, it's just... just like turning it off or something. Oh, man. I don't. I don't know who did this. I don't know who thought of it. It does maybe look she, like maybe you she... talk. I was going to say, maybe it's just the voice of Barash is like a random person and the, it's still the kid in the costume. I don't know, but it's so bad. It's so bad. It, it looks like they went to Party City to get it. It's it's incredibly surprising that an alien <laughs> like this would be on Star Trek. I mean, I guess it also makes sense because it's really only on screen for about 10 seconds, but um, it's terrible. <laughs> These guys have done some amazing work in fractions of a second. Yeah. They would just phone it in on fucking Barrage. Is completely fucking. It's so bad. And roll credits. So, uh, final thoughts on uh, Future Imperfect? Final thoughts? I I actually think it was a really enjoyable episode. Even as somebody who's never really watched any Star Trek, didn't really know a lot about the characters, I was able to get into it and was able to, like, you know, I I, I was able to get drawn in by it and, and I enjoyed the twists and the turns that it took. Um. Yeah, I, I I think in general it holds up pretty like I, like I was saying pretty much every part of it holds up except for those two <laughs> bad blue screenshots and barrage. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I you know I I definitely definitely enjoyed it. Fair enough. So all right, well thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, do you have like a, a Twitter or, or a yeah yeah um. My uh, my website is iamkuhan.com. Uh, I do podcasts. I don't do really any of them right now, but uh, if you just go to I-A-M-K-U-H-A-N, iamkuhan.com, um, that'll have all my stuff. My social links are at the bottom, but twitter.com slash kuhan is the main one, um, and that's, that's where you'll find all of my content when it exists, which it uh, doesn't as much as it should right now. <laughs> all right, and uh, we'll be back next week with Final Mission, and until then... Remember Rand. Hey, I'll make this short because everyone hates credits. Star Trek is owned by CBS Television Studios and Paramount Pictures. We've watched Star Trek on Netflix, we hold our conversations on Google Hangouts, and we record with Audacity, the free audio editor and recorder. All files are hosted on vanvelding.com, hosted by DreamPress, powered by WordPress. If you have any questions or comments about the Beige and the Bold, please feel free to leave a comment at vanvelding.com or tweet at vanvelding. Thank you, and remember Rand.